is the Mobile Tech Podcast, brought to you by worldpodcasts.com. Now here's your host, Tech Girl, Miriam Joie. Hi, and welcome to the Mobile Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Miriam Joie, and today is September 13th. It's Wednesday. It's the day after the iPhone announcement. And as such, I brought on an awesome guest who knows all about phones, but also knows all about being a dad. It's Phil Nickinson, modern dad himself. Hello, Phil. For the record, I'm still figuring out this dad stuff. You are? It's hard, man. Well, it, I think, I think it, everybody that tells me about it says that it takes your entire life. Pretty much, yeah. And just when you think you got it figured out, it's, it's time to go. Well, oh, wah, wah, wah. <laughs> Sad trombone. So um, I'm sure you watched, um, like I did, the keynote yesterday. Or maybe you didn't. Maybe you're like, let's see uh, what happens. Uh, what comes out of uh, Rene at iMore, since, you know, he is one of your buddies. One of my peeps. Yeah, um, no, no, no. I, I totally watched the whole thing. I mean, of course you did, right? Like, I mean, it's like, it's kind of like a religious event every year. We, we kind of have to watch. Um, it was, I, I, I was pretty excited. I mean, to me, there are a lot of things that were announced were cool. A lot of things were kind of meh. But for me, the shining star as a phone person is the iPhone 10. And do not say the iPhone X. And I know I will in this podcast make that mistake because I've already done it many times since yesterday. Uh, what's your general takeaway from first the event and this this new iPhone? The event was fine. I, I think I'm kind of... Jaded. I'm kind of over all these tech events. Yeah, I, I was thinking about it just kind of in contact. I mean, first, I love Tim Cook. I think Tim Cook is great. Um, I think, and I decided I'm a little biased because he's actually, he grew up about 45 miles away from where I am right now. Wow, Alabama. that close in Alabama, right? Yeah, yeah, really close. He's from Robertsdale um, between Pensacola and Mobile. I'm in Pensacola. And you in Pensacola, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and and so you get somebody who's sort of, I, I don't have as much of an accent as he does. Um, as soon as you cross the line into Alabama, you you are required to have a little more of an accent. <laughs> um, but, but between him personally and from him being in the South, just really good guy. And, and I think you hear that authenticity come through and I don't know Steve jobs. I'm not one of those sycophants who, who worships everything the man did. And, you know, he was kind of a dick from the sound of it, but, but you could hear the love in, in Tim Cook's voice talking about him. And he that is comes very through. sincere. Yeah, I absolutely. think you're absolutely right. And and I love that about him, too. And that's yeah. something we don't get at all these other events. I, I just got back from IFA a couple of weeks ago, right? And that's just something you don't get at all these other events. You you don't get that sort of personal touch and, and too much more than just people reading on a stage. And so it's, that was it's, nice. And I think what I like about him is he's able to be a showman. Like, he, he knows how to deliver a really mm -hmm. good presentation. But he's not flashy like he's not like adding a performance on top of it whereas you know everyone else does yeah yeah exactly yeah um i thought the, the stuff with the hurricanes was nice and obvious and, and good to do but important to do um i i thought the i thought the store stuff the town hall stuff was a little over the top and better Forced. to do it forced yeah better to do it up front than at the end when nobody really cares yeah <laughs> but it's like no apple you, you, i i just got finished writing something people go to your stores for two reasons they go to your stores for things whether it's to buy things or get things fixed yeah or they go to your stores to see all the cool shit 
They don't go to hang out and to learn. I mean, I've, look, I think it's actually great that they're doing all these lessons. They've been doing this for a long time, right? Like, you know, coaching and teaching people how to use their products in these kind of group sessions. But I've, I don't know anybody who's ever gone to one of those. Yeah. I mean, and I'm sure people do, but these are not town squares. You're not going to go there to protest. You're not going to go there. You to won't have, be able you know, to go there to protest. Yeah, no, you'll totally. get kicked out by security. Try, you know, try lying on one of their benches for more than an hour. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's like calm down. These are not town squares by any stretch of the imagination. You know, all I could um, think about was during this the part that part of the presentation was you know once the apocalypse or whatever the end of the world ha- hits or whatever the zombie uh, outbreak. Like all these Apple stores, I, I was imagining what it would be like to be in like a post-apocalyptic world where you run into an Apple store, right? And and that, you know, like you've, maybe you're born past all this and you have no context of what it is and you start worshiping that Apple logo, right? And somebody needs to make a movie about that. Maybe need, they need to make it for Apple TV since they're not making their own content. <laughs> I, I don't think we're too far away from that. Right. Anyway, so I'm trying to think what else. Yeah, I mean, the watch. Okay. If, if you're into the Apple watch, it looks great. Um, so I have something to say about that. I'm actually pretty excited about that watch because they crammed some insane amount of tech, especially in the 38 millimeter watch, putting all that stuff in there and making it that small and thin is remarkable. But my biggest, but about the Apple watch is always that it's not really a watch. I, I Anything that doesn't always show the time permanently displayed on the bezel of the thing, on the screen, is not a watch. The fact that you have to look at it or tap on it to see the time means it's just a tiny, tiny phone shrunk down and put on your wrist. And I get why. And that doesn't mean it's not a good thing and useful to a lot of people, but I just, it rubs me so much the wrong way. So we just need a different name for it is what you're saying. No, so they need to have a display that's only and only always on is what I'm saying. And I know they yeah. can't do that for battery life reasons and because the OLED wears in. My uh, my watch one, my uh, not Apple watch, but my Huawei watch original, I wore for two years and it's OLED. And I use the same watch face for two years because I'm boring. And guess what? It's worn out. Like the there is physically a lack of... AMOLED, you know, in the areas where it was bright white. And when you display a a, a solid background color of any kind Mm -hmm. on that watch, you see an imprint of the numbers and it's, it's sad. And I, and that's, I know what Apple's trying to avoid that because they use an AMOLED panel on those watches. Yeah. As far as I know, if they don't, if I'm wrong and they use IPS, they have no reason to not have this permanently on. My thing is I just, I, I get tired of charging them every day and I wasn't getting that much out of them. I think the cellular thing is going gonna, is gonna to be a bit of a breakthrough because I think they're going to do it right. Like so far, all the cellular enabled smartwatches have been, been bulky or- and ugly. Yeah. Basically, as I said, like, a, what was it? Home arrest bracelet. <laughs> I remember being funny. like 30 floors up on a balcony in Manhattan when Samsung first did it. I, I forget which one it was. And I called my wife. And I, I said, how do I sound? And she says, it sounds like you're 30 floors up in Manhattan talking to me through a watch. It's horrible. <laughs> so it'll be interesting to actually like 
get out and try this thing. And and I know they had the woman in the lake and that's cool, but that's, I'm sorry, that's not the same as actually trying this thing in real life with, with non Apple people. It's just, I, I agree. And, and it's, and, and that brings us to face, uh, to face ID later on how that's going to sure. pan out. Right. But I think, look, I do believe that there, if anybody can pull it off, they can. And, and I think a w- wearing a device on your wrist that you don't need to carry your phone for everything, that if you want to just get a cup of coffee down the street and pay with Apple, uh, Apple Pay, you can just wear your watch or, you know, a quick call you can make, or you can use Siri to dictate a quick text message or better yet with the AirPods, which I'm personally not a fan of because I'm a picky sound quality person and I don't think they sound good enough, but I'm a fan of in terms of how much technology they've managed to distill into a small package and how they've made it sync properly from left and right channel and how they uh, it automatically connects to your phone so nicely, right? Like that's what Apple is really good at, taking existing technologies and making them better. To me, AirPod and Apple Watch cellular combo, I can see that a pretty big use case for people that I see jogging every morning with their iPhone strapped to their uh, upper arm, right? Oh, and, and I'm right there because I listen to podcasts in the morning when I'm out jogging and, and so, I'm tired of carrying a phone around with me. So it. that's what's got me excited is that they did it in the same form factor and and they're kind of introducing it as like a thing that eventually we'll be so used to that we'll be like, what do you mean my watch doesn't have cellular connectivity, right? So... The, the big question is for me is going to be battery life. Well, How does this thing last more than an hour? I think it will. And I think it'll be fine. But I think that they're, you know, clearly, did you see the amount of custom chips they designed for that thing? I mean, oh, yeah, that, that's totally. what they have to. And but the thing is, Apple has gotten good at that now. So I think, I think they'll be okay, actually. I, I think you're right. Um, they, wouldn't, they wouldn't unveil this thing if it were just that dead. You know what and, I mean? and to me, I think it's kind of the highlight. It's one of the highlights of the show of yesterday's event before the iPhone 10, because I was not, exp- I mean, I knew there were rumors in LTE Apple watch, but, and of course they did it by, you know, reusing the same form factor. Cause that's what they do. I should have known. But once I actually thought that it was real and it's and it, what it did. And I was like, wow, this is actually kind of like a sleeper hit of this, mm-hmm. of this event. I think honestly, that's the second thing that I'm most excited about. On the whole freaking thing. Somehow. What are you know. first most excited about? Well, the iPhone 10. <laughs> and, and, and there's a lot of ifs and buts attached to that, obviously. But before we get there, since we seem to be doing the thing in order, let's talk about Apple TV. Sure. Uh, <laughs> you are probably more to say about that because you're a modern dad and you review a lot of things that are not phones and watches like I do. I have dived into the the streaming stuff a lot the past year, so I've got everything here. I've got a I've, I've got a built in Android TV in my living room. I've got uh, Shield TV hooked up to it, so I have Android TV in Android TV, which is pretty crazy. Um, I use Apple TV. <laughs> it's in the bedroom. Inception. Yeah, exactly. I use Apple TV in the bedroom. I've got a Fire TV hooked up to use when I feel like using it. I've got a Fire Stick also in the bedroom that I use sometimes. Um, yeah. It, the Apple TV was kind of an expected upgrade. I mean, at this point, you have to have four. I mean, exactly. I mean, let's talk about that for a second as an aside. And come on, seriously, Apple 4K is a new thing? Like, please. Yeah, stop. Come on. <laughs> stop it now. I mean, it's HDR, HDR is still pretty new on these boxes. Uh, I yeah, think the first totally. one was like in the, in the spring sometime, right? Which one was it? The Razor? No. Oh, I forget which one. But yeah, I mean, but even then... 
I'm not sure people are going to notice the HDR as much unless you're well, looking they need at something a TV, side by right? side. You need a TV that has HDR, first of all. Yeah, and you're going to need that as well, yeah. So, okay. Guys. I mean, th these are two updates that, that you would totally expect to have in a brand new box in 2017. Um, and gaming with the remote, really? Oh, the remote's Who's going to do that? The remote's awful. The remote just needs to die. Their remote is, the, like, that is the least Apple product of them all. Is I just really? don't know how they get away with doing that. It's so bad. I've never used one, so I wouldn't know. I'm going to buy one, though. I'm actually thinking of seeing how much of a discount on the old ones is going to be now. Totally worth it, yeah. Um, because I don't need, any, I don't need four, 4K, and more importantly, I want... Uh, I'm setting up a projector in my place in Portland, and I want to be able to stream from a lot of devices. And right now... You know the reality is we stream we watch we watch our shows mostly on apple sure uh, on Macs, right so um and theo has an iphone and i don't have an iphone like that i use permanently but i have access to one and more importantly i have several htc phones that support streaming content to airplay which is really cool by the way like i have to say i that forgot about that yeah htc kind of saves my day <laughs> right now but the, the good old three airplay, finger swipe it i know it really kind of comes down to what platform do you get the most content through would be how I recommend what you get. Because right. at the end of the day, they're all doing the same thing. They're all streaming content and not one of them really has an advantage over the others in terms of exclusivity at this point. Um, Amazon almost kind of did because it had Amazon content, but now you have some Android TVs that are able to do Amazon content. Apple TV will be able to do Amazon content eventually this year. I hope so. It's coming. I mean, they said it's coming. We're just waiting. I hope it's coming to the old Apple TVs as well. I don't know why it wouldn't. It would be really weird if they locked that out. That would be that would be a bad move. Yeah, a lot of people are going to upgrade. For mean, the most part, they all do the same thing, right? And you can get Google content on Apple TV. Um, I think you can get Google content on Amazon. I got to remember now. Maybe not. Um, I mean, so, for me, it's so that, Netflix, really, you know, Netflix, yeah. Hulu, and what else? So they all, they all do the same thing. They all do it generally as well. I, I can't say that that one device does anything particularly worse than the others. I, I Although if forced, I would say it's the Apple TV has been the one that I found struggling on occasion. And it, I can't imagine that's a hardware thing because I've got, you know, fire sticks that, that stream everything just fine. So you really need to be and Apple TVs are a lot of money, right? Compared to right. A, a $99, you know, fire TV, $89, whatever it is. Um, shield TV is $200. So you can still get that for less than an Apple TV. So yeah, it, it, it's a good uh, up, upgrade. Now, it, if you're waiting to home kit, actually, that's another reason to get the Apple TV because it will serve as a home kit hub. Uh, so if you have things like, was it Wemo? Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. It's not Wemo. It's uh, the August locks don't come with their own hubs. So it can serve as a HomeKit hub, and, and that can be a big deal if you're waiting to HomeKit. Um, I'm not. I'm not. So <laughs> I, I can use any of those. But yeah, right. it's there are fewer and fewer reasons to pick one over another at this point. I mean, for me, it's AirPlay. I mean, my streaming mm -hmm. from my Macs is going to be the thing I use. We do the most, really. Sure. It's whatever we're watching in the web browser at this point kind of thing, you know? So sure. it's it's not... I don't even see us very often using the Apple TV natively to stream. We might sometimes. But most of the time, we, watch, we start watching shows on our laptops in the web browser. And then we suddenly decide, hey, let's, let, you know, let's cast that over to something. 
uh, and AirPlay does it. And and of course, I have a you know I have a Chromecast somewhere, right? That I can dig out to make the Android side of it happen if I need to. Mostly for me, is for Chromebooks is really nice, right? Mm-hmm. Chromebook mm-hmm. watching something on the web browser and then casting it out. Anyway, so Apple TV, meh, whatever. It's as expected. Um, games, blah. Yeah. So phones. <laughs> so look at that. It took us about 15 minutes to get to the phones. Not bad because, you know, it keeps the listeners on their toes. Exactly. They so I want to start with obviously not the iPhone 10 <laughs> because I'm a shithead. Um, but I want to start with the iPhone 8 and 8 Plus. Uh, interestingly, not 7S and 7S Plus. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So weird, right? I mean, it's it's. I'm not going to think they broke the much. naming convention big time yesterday because iPhone nine is never going to happen now. Right, right, exactly. And iPhone seven S never going to happen either. Which I'm kind of vexed by the naming weirdness there. Actually, I'm honestly of the big belief that um, what's his name Gruber at Daring Fireball a few years back said, you know, Apple should just call the iPhone iPhone all mm-hmm. models, just iPhone. Oh, totally agree. And and like they do with iMac and, and MacBook. And I I think that would be great. Like this numbering thing has been so confusing. Putting S after a number, why the hell did they even do that? I can understand they did it for the iPhone 4 and 5. And and then after that, I think with a 6, I would have dropped the numbering altogether and said, yeah, and okay, this is, a, like, this is a 2017 iPhone or whatever. Do, do the year in a parenthetical. Like they do with the Mac. You know, when you talk, when you see people talk about selling a used MacBook, they say yeah. like, oh, it's a mid-2011 MacBook Pro or whatever. And then you have to kind of look it up on uh, machistory.com or whatever that website is to figure out exactly what the specs were that year. Uh, it's and, and maybe they'll do that. I I really not to jump ahead, but but I think the the X excuse me the ten See, is going to be the, the first starter. to do it. <laughs> I, I I think it's going to be no. I've been doing that in my head for a day now. I I think that's going to be the the real beginnings of a sea change for Apple on the phone side. And at some point, the iPhone with the home button is just going to disappear, right? I hope so. And when they do that, just don't even worry about how you say it. You just see it, iPhone X, right? You yeah. don't have to put a number after it. At that point, you switch to the years in parentheses and just go. I hope. I really hope so. They need it so bad now because their lineup now. Um, let's talk about the lineup before we talk about the phones, actually, because sure. I think that's very interesting. You have at the base, you have the SC, which starts with $350. And frankly, for that kind of money, you know, it's not a bad deal. I mean, I know that from an Android perspective, you can buy like a Moto G5 for, you know, less, way less than that. And it's probably overall a better phone maybe but the experience of the iphone you know for some people especially who 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 like having a small phone the iphone se is is killer and i was actually waiting to see if they're going to refresh it because theo my spouse is in desperate need of a new iphone he's got a 5s right now and he doesn't want to go to the bigger form factor he doesn't want to at all so i've been holding back on getting him an se but now that i know the se is around for at least another year uh, let's just pull the trigger for 350. It's not a huge expenditure for me, anyway. Um, and then there's the iPhone 6s that's still around. Yep. Right. Which is like what? <laughs> like I don't get that. I, I I think they're just burning through that inventory. They is can't the 6s Plus also still around? Uh, let me look. I've got it open. Oh, thank you. Because now that you mention it, I should maybe you give my kids something. 
you're gonna get your you get you apple announced something let's an excuse to go shop at apples.com right i kind of feel yeah, i'll be horrible you want to know what my eldest my 11 year old daughter is now using she's got a what? g6 just because i had a lane around and I was oh, like, what? all right. Let's give it to her. That's actually does. pretty nice. It's a great phone. Are you kidding? I know. I love it. Uh, let's see. Just the 6S and yes, the 6S Plus. So you can get both of them. 549 or 449. Oh, yeah. And then they've, okay. And so the so SE and then the 6S and 6S Plus. And then how much are the prices you said? 449 and 549 is what I said. Yeah, I mean, 449, 549. 549 for a 6S Plus. Not horrible. It's not bad. Um, iPhone 7 is still around and iPhone 7 Plus. Yes. And those are how much? 549 and 669. Huh. Interesting. They're really so, stratifying them by like just a few $50 stra- stratas here. That's yeah. weird. And then the iPhone 8, which we need to talk about, is uh, pretty much the price of the iPhone 7 last year, correct? Yes. But get you get more capacity. It starts at 64 now, right? Yeah, and 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 that's that's I think what you got to do. Let's see. Yeah, the price is I mean, six sixty nine seven or six ninety nine seven ninety nine. Wow. Yeah, that's that's as expected. Yeah, that's God. See, and and again, when you start thinking about it in your head like that, that's a lot of money. I don't think Apple cares what you buy. They're going to make money off it no matter what. Yeah. And then of course you've got the iPhone ten, which is nine ninety nine starting price for sixty four gigs. And eleven fifty nine for two fifty six gigs. Am so I right? Expensive. It's insane. Well, it's come on. So the Note money. eight is about the same nine hundred thirty nine. Oh, totally. And I'm and not honestly. I, I'm. I was expecting it was going to be more. Um, to me, that that doesn't make it that ex- like. I always I I always had this impression from all the discussions that have been happening that the iPhone ten would not be able to be manufactured in the kind of numbers Apple usually manufactures things in. And I don't know if people who are listening to this podcast right now have a an understanding of those numbers. Like, it's something like 100 phones a second. Like, I mean, it's like a ridiculous amount, right? Like, oh, yeah. So, so like, the supply chain and the is is kind of insane for these devices. And so, a lot of people said, well, this iPhone 10 is going to be kind of like really state-of-the-art and they're not going to, be able to manufacture as many because of supply and demand and and stuff and so they're going to price it a little you know higher high enough that it's going to be aspirational it's going to be like the halo device and and in fact i th- i don't think they did that i mean honestly 999 for something that is a piece of essentially a piece of jewelry you use every day i don't think is unreasonable and when I you really break don't. it down with monthly costs like people do yeah i mean people are going to buy it they're going to pay right. for it and so my point is it's going to be a, a high demand and also not easily available for the first little while until they ramp up. And I'm sure that they're not uh, making it available to the public till November because they're ramping it up. Um, but I think that it's not as exclusive and as highly priced as I expected. And so Apple clearly has, you know, their, their supply chain together to make this thing in quantity, which is really even more impressive when we actually talk about the iPhone 10 later. So now we're on the iPhone 8. Huh? It's a worthy so, successor to the seven. Yeah. So let's quickly uh, talk about what's different. What's what's obviously different is that it's got a glass back. Um. The, but otherwise, it looks the same. Uh, it has wireless charging because of the glass back, and yep. I'm super excited about this. And That's I know a big you deal are too. 
No, it's not that big of a deal, but I'm excited for me because it's Chi that they picked. They did not create some new thing like they did with the original Apple Watch. Have you noticed? Are you, are you surprised about that? I'm pleasantly surprised. You know, I, there's I, I I want to say it's the obvious thing for them to do, but well, yeah. But at the same time, there was an alternate universe in which they could have done what they did with the original Apple Watch, which wasn't sure. Qi compatible. And sure. clearly, the, I don't know if the Series 2 is Qi compatible, but the Series 3 is clearly Qi compatible because they have a pad that uh, called the AirPort. No, what is the it? The new Air? one? AirPower. Yeah. Air power. Air power. Air power. It sounds like totally like some military thing. You gotta say it like that. Um, so they have this pad, this wireless charging pad that's cheap compatible called Air Power, which lets you charge the new iPhones, the 8 and 8 Plus and 10, and uh, the Apple Watch Series 3, and I don't think works with the old ones, and lets you, a, a new accessory that I didn't even know existed, which is a charging case for your AirPods that has wireless charging built in, which I believe you have to buy extra because I don't think last year's has that. It's a cool little thing though. Very cool. So anyway, rewinding, Qi is a wireless charging standard that it's spelled QI. It's been around for a really long time. I've yep. been using it on various phones. Uh, the first big proponent of it was Nokia back in the day with the Windows phones. And then um, LG and Samsung played that game for a while. Samsung has been a continued long-term proponent of that. Uh, LG, it's hit and miss, depends on the phone. The V30 has Qi uh, wireless charging, for example, but very few other LG, recent LG's flagships have it. Uh, of course, the Notes and Galaxy S's of the last few years, uh, I think starting with the 6, uh, S6 and Note 5, all had its standard, then the S7 and Note 7, and of course the Note 7 is the phone we don't speak of. Otherwise, some kind of drones from Samsung appear on your window and shoot you down with lasers. Mine never actually left. They've been hovering this whole time. I know. And then, of course, you have uh, the the Galaxy S8 and Note 8 this year. These all have Qi. But it's interesting because starting with the Galaxy S7 last year, Samsung supported both wireless standards. There's another competing wireless charging standard that I can't remember what it's called. It used to be called PMA. That's prevalent at Starbucks and AT&T stores. PowerMat. PowerMat, yes. And that one is also working with Samsung, but I don't think the iPhone is compatible with that. Uh, Qi is, is still a separate thing. Um, but the bottom line is Qi is way more common. And so I actually have a bunch of Qi chargers in my house, and I'm really looking forward to, uh, to using them again with an iPhone. And then um, uh, the Nexus phones for a while had wireless charging through Qi as well uh, yep. when they were made by LG. So, and then for some reason, suddenly Google stopped supporting it with the Nexus 5X and 6P. Wah, wah, wah. You know, somebody I was talking to, oh, I think it was uh, our good friend, uh, David Ruddock. I saw him last night because uh, MWC Americas is happening here in San Francisco this week. And we were at a little Qualcomm mixer last night and I ran into him and, you know, he's a big uh, curmudgeon, which is great. He makes me look like happy fun fit. I know, exactly. And I had him on the podcast before. You just go back to a few episodes and you can listen to him. He's a great guy. And uh, he was saying that, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of interesting that the... Uh, that this wireless thing is is happening now and that Apple is making it big again because the next Pixel, X, uh, the new Pixel XL probably won't have it. 
<laughs> Ironically, when you think that Google had uh, wireless charging on so many Nexuses in the past. Yep. So they're going to have to bring that back probably with the Pixel the year after. Because here's the thing, and I think this is what's so significant about it. Once you use wireless charging, guys, it's nice to have. You don't need it, but it's nice to have. And there's more and more cars that have Qi compatible pads built into them now. And none of these iPhones could ever use them. And um, you, IKEA sells desks and tables with built-in Qi wireless charging. Um, and so imagine what's going to happen once a lot of iPhones are out there with Qi wireless charging. It's going to become the de facto standard. So Qi became a big winner in yesterday's announcement. And I think we're all going to benefit from it. Having a universal wireless charging standard um, adopted by Apple is going to be is is awesome and i'm no, really excited deal. about yeah. that yeah. what do you what do you think we dug up an old picture yesterday of me using the droid thunderbolt was it no it wasn't a droid it was the htc no it was a droid thunderbolt because it was on verizon um on a it was on an energizer little two chi charging pad thing it was so old and the picture so bad in the video i did it's even worse and i had to go back and look at the date it's 2011. like we've been yeah. using this stuff for a long time it's Before been yeah. We settled on one. I think for me, it's at least been since 2010 or 11. I've been yeah. using Qi in some capacity or another. I often charge my Samsung phones on this old Nokia Qi wireless pad that I have. It doesn't charge very fast because it doesn't use the the Samsung fast charge uh, system that they have right. on the new pads. But I mean, for overnight, perfectly great. You know, totally, uh, totally. So I use it. It's still there. It's it's the pillow one. Do you remember that one? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's like it, it, it's soft like a pillow and it has the the little coil inside somewhere that like like a puck that you slide inside the pillow. It's like a pillow. Yeah, it's, um, it's been great to have. I love it. So that's one of the big things about the iPhone eight, eight plus, and ten. Um, the and that's why it's got a glass back. You need that those coils back there. And honestly, I kind of had a thing in the past for the iPhone 4. I think to me, that's one of the best designs they ever did for an iPhone. And I love that it had front and back glass. I actually love phones with front and back glass. I know a lot of people are like, oh, it's fragile, blah, blah, Don't drop your freaking phones, people, okay? Get a case if you drop them a lot. Like, exactly. come on. And also, you know, this all gorilla, whatever, they don't call it gorilla in the Apple universe, but they, it's like they use this tempered, crazy, super strong glass that you, you know, yes, it'll break eventually, but it takes a, quite a bit of abuse before it does. So I think you'll be fine. Um, that being said, they put a new processor in there, which is the same in all three phones. It's a, I don't know why they call it that stupid name, the A11 Bionic. Bionic. Like what is like Apple? Seriously, that is so on Apple. Yeah. Like the A10 Fusion, I kind of get Fusion because they fused, you know, a bunch of processors in one. Uh, but Bionic, what's Bionic about it? Does it have an artificial limb? I liked it better when they didn't talk about stuff like that. Just it's got a chip. I liked it. it better when they didn't talk. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> um, so the that's gonna be a monster. Like you have to understand. We don't talk about this very often because we mostly talk about Android phone, which means we mostly talk about Qualcomm. And Qualcomm does some wonderful things. I love them dearly. But the reality is Apple eats their lunch when it comes to processing power and power consumption. 
And the reason for that is Apple can do that. They're highly integrated in, in the entire stack from you know the the uh, some of the apps all the way down to the OS to the, the driver level to the hardware. They make their own chips now and they have for a while. And Samsung manufactures them. <laughs> and so the 811 is I think going to be a monster when we finally run benchmarks on it. Oh yeah, totally. And and especially just because of the way it all I mean it is made like you said it's made to work together like that in a way that nothing else is i mean i really hate when you start comparing benchmarks between apple and android stuff it's impossible it's it's so different from the ground up if any of you out there or if you Miriam, listen to the android developers backstage podcast um really good nerdy stuff and half the time i don't know what they're talking about but a couple weeks ago they were talking about um project treble and, Uh and rebuilding the underlying way that things work between the HAL and, and, and all the stuff that you and I get to mess with. And what was really interesting was, was when they said, look, back when we first started making Android, the, the emphasis from the bosses was we have to get Android everywhere. We have to ship it. We have to you know, get apps going and all that stuff. And so the framework right. lagged and, and because of that, it suffered a little bit. And it that's, did. And, and I've described it as Apple and Google coming to the same answer, but from two wildly different directions. And that's what's going on. And that's why Pixel is so awesome. And, and I mean, the, the HAL has always been their killer's heel of Android, in my opinion. But hey. Not for long, I hope. I hope so. I mean, it's getting better all the time, but yeah. it's, still, it's still a bit of a mess. Um, anyway. Yeah. So, um, so new processor, wireless charging. What else is new on these phones? Uh, still no headphone jack. Wah, wah, wah. Uh, still stupid lightning instead of USB type C. Now I'm really gonna, I, I know this is like, you know, quixotic at this point and, and kind of barking up the wrong tree, but seriously, Apple, you have USB type C on your MacBooks and you can't put USB type C on your phones. I didn't expect it on the iPhone eight and eight plus, but I would have really expected it on the iPhone 10. I would have said, okay, let's let's do a clean break here. We're changing some of the user experience here with the iPhone 10. Let's go with the universal connector that does it all and is awesome, right? It's just Not weird this that they have a mix. Crap. Yeah, because I understand that made for iPad, iPod, iPhone, MFI is a money cow for Apple. Uh, all these accessory manufacturers have to pay a fee, but guess what? They don't have to pay a fee for Qi. So they're not doing that for Qi. So why did they not switch over to USB Type-C on this iPhone 10? Ugh. Because once you live in a USB Type-C world like I do, where my Android phones are all USB Type-C and my MacBooks and Pixels and Chromebooks are all USB Type-Cs, oh, you never go back. Well, but you're, I, I think you're coming at it from the wrong direction. I think you're looking at the connector itself and you have to remember that what plugs into the wall is really important when it comes to USB-C, especially as the, the spec was still kind of being finalized yeah. and, and it's possible to buy things that would literally break stuff. <laughs> so I think I, that's less of an issue now. I, it was more of an issue a year ago. It was for you and me, but the problem is you can still buy that stuff and it's still everywhere. Right. And, and Apple plays long-term, whereas you and I are, are looking, you know. It's still vexing to see that they have the stuff on their MacBooks, but not on the iPhone. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm, I'm not saying it's not weird, but I get it. I mean, they even have it on the Apple TV. Mm-hmm. So, uh, anyway. 
I, I this is my my big my big gripe. Like Lightning at the time it came out was necessary. The thirty pin connector was a complete and utter disaster, and the fact that they made a a connector that self configures and is reversible and is rugged was a great thing. But when USB C came along, even though it's technically inferior, I think in terms of mechanics, like. It's it's not as rugged. I've damaged a couple of USB-C connectors right now in my office by rolling on the metal tip right. of the cable with my office chair. Um, that would never break a lightning connector because it's much more rugged. Um, I mean, I, there are some issues with USB-C and I admit to that, but it's such a nice thing when you can use your phone charger to charge your laptop and your laptop charger to charge your phone, you know? Not to mention things like things that nobody would ever do, Phil, but you and I would do, sure. which is when I was at Google I.O. this year and I wanted to live stream, like live video, like live YouTube, um, some of the keynote and they had e they had Ethernet in the press pits. Yep. Guess what I did? Yeah, I know. Exactly I, pulled what out, you did. <laughs> I put out a USB type. You were there, right? No? Not this year. do it. I missed this year. I used the USB Type-C uh, hub, mm -hmm. plugged it into my Galaxy S8 Plus, and, and then plugged a USB to Ethernet, Apple USB to Ethernet dongle into my hub, plugged that into the Ethernet, and streamed over a, you know, a gigabit Ethernet connection to YouTube. Perfect HD quality live video. You're an animal. From a phone. You're an animal. Because you can't do that with lightning. See, 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 I'm right. Damn it. Apple. So anyway, um, what else is on this? Uh, the layout and the the look and feel of the 8 and 8 Plus are pretty much the same as, as 7 uh, S and 7 S. Oh, sorry, 7 and 7 Plus. Uh, but the, as in the glass, I mean, that's how you can tell them apart cosmetically. But... In terms of guts, obviously, it's going to be upgraded. I, I believe the displays have been upgraded a little bit, too. They have true color or whatever mm -hmm. it is now. Uh, so the display is going to pop a little more. I don't think... Is there anything else that you remember that stood out? Not really. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at these as, as incremental iPhones. And they look nice. And they're going to be very nice. And to me, they look like iPhones. They don't look like Android phones. And we'll talk more about that in a second. But... Uh, yeah, <laughs> I it, see where you're going a, with this. It's a good iteration and a good step forward. Yeah, I mean they look they look cool. Um, I like the glass back. Um, they still are massive for the bezel for their screen size. This is the thing that surprised me actually, to be honest with you, Phil. Is I figured that they would, I figured they would keep the form factor roughly the same because you know this ecosystem of cases and everything that's been working since the six, then six S, then seven, then eight. But um, and they're slightly thicker actually. If you look at the specs, they're like a, a hair thicker. So some cases might not fit perfectly. Um, but I was surprised that they kept this massive amount of bezel and that they didn't actually make that 4.7-inch screen a 5-inch screen and that 5.5-inch screen a 5.7-inch screen. I've got right? a 7. That's what I've had for the past year. And I regret getting it. I wish I'd gotten the bigger one. It's, it's such a waste of space. There's so much bezel on these iPhones that since the 6... And the iPhone 8 is in that same boat. And, you know, and obviously that brings us to the iPhone 10 and the state of the art of Android right now with these bezel-less uh, super wide angle, sorry, super wide screens. But, but if you can live with, you know, that traditional iPhone look and feel and you don't mind 
mind having a massive, I really feel like it's massive for a screen size phone with the iPhone Plus in your pocket, then by all means, buy an iPhone 8. Yeah. But if you're like me or like Phil or like anybody who cares about technology, you're going to be buying the iPhone 10 because the iPhone 10 makes me super happy. I'll tell you why. The only thing that makes me not happy about it really is that it's running iOS. Is that terrible to say? (laughs) Well, no, because you can essentially get the same phone from somebody else with Android. Yeah, so before we go there, actually, let me explain what I mean by that. I am actually very excited about iOS 11 and I want to try it out. And I actually have decided as of yesterday that I'm going to buy my own iPhone 10 with my own money as soon as it's available. And it'll be a silver and white one. Um, because I feel it's the first iPhone that Apple has made since the four. Yes, you heard me, the four. That it is at least competitive with the Android universe in terms of hardware specs and features. In some ways, better and innovates. Um, and iOS 11, from everything I've read, finally has things like a file system or at least a file browser. Mm-hmm. Uh, has better multitasking and these are the things and and handles notifications even better and these are the things that even in iOS 10 still vex me thoroughly on my iPhone. I My iPhone right now, so everybody knows, the one I have when I want to use one, I have access to two of them. I have a 6 and a 6 Plus, not an 6S or anything, so I'm way behind. But they're solid phones and um, and so... The iOS 10 still frustrates me to no end. I mean, if you look at my iPhone, it's mostly it's mostly Google apps, first of all. Right. And because I'm heavily invested in the Android ecosystem and the uh, Google ecosystem in general. And and I think a lot of people I know that have iPhones have lots of Android app, uh, Google apps, I mean, on them. And they like them. And they like Google. They're happy with it. And they have a good experience. Like uh, a lot of people love using, uh, what's it called, Google Assistant on iPhones instead of Siri because it's a better AI. Everybody knows that. So... So I'm looking forward to buying my own iPhone 10. I've, I've said it here and I'm going to do it. And I'm very, very excited. And the reason for that is it really feels to me like this phone can run with the pack of the best Android phones. And that was not the case for the iPhone 7. That was not the case. That is, is not the case for the iPhone 8. It is not the case for any iPhone since I feel the 4 and maybe the 5S because of the fingerprint reader. Because Apple really made the fingerprint reader a thing that mm-hmm. worked. Because until that, remember the Atrix? I do. Uh, so I tweeted yesterday, uh, and I think this is a good, a good example of what, uh, you know, where my thinking lies here, is that, uh, what did I tweet? Where is it? it? I said something about the Atrix, actually. I said, Face ID is to Samsung's Galaxy S8, Note 8, Iris, and Face Scanner, what Touch ID was to the Moto Atrix's fingerprint sensor. A giant leap forward. And I truly believe that. So let's talk about Face ID. A lot of people are butthurt because it doesn't. Have, the iPhone 10 doesn't have a home button and, and it doesn't have a fingerprint sensor in the back or a fingerprint sensor on the power button, which by the way, I don't know why they didn't do that. That would have worked. Um, but it has this insane Kinect-like camera system on the front. And, but, but I've, you know, this is new, not new technology. I don't know if you know this, but this... Qualcomm actually has this technology available for Android phone manufacturers in their latest Snapdragon 835. You can pair 
the front or rear camera with an infrared, um, um, you know, what's it called? Uh, light source that bathes the scene in infrared and with a dot pattern projector that projects dots. And um, you have the camera, uh, an infrared camera, get the data back and, and basically do a depth map of what's around you and basically de- get, uh, get depth information and then do basically what Face ID is doing. You could do that on an Android phone with Qualcomm's technology today. Sure. Nobody's doing it for whatever reason. Apple seems to be the first one that said, let's try to make this work and make it work on the phone. And I think this is where that A11 and that, you know, with its uh, super optimized machine learning stuff built in is going gonna, is gonna to work really well. I just tweeted something horrible. Did you? I said, I can't believe nobody's can't- talking about the possibility of Apple turning on an unannounced under glass home button in a future update. Well, no, I, I think that's too early because I, I do too. I think that you you're right. It's a good it's a good tweet. But I think that um they they were okay, ideally they wanted an under the screen uh fingerprint reader. Yes. And they couldn't get it. So uh they basically were like, uh let's let's see what else we can do. And they came up with face ID. And I think I think it's gonna work. I think I think unlike to me, okay, so first of all, the Galaxy S8 and Note 8 for me, the that the face recognition is easily spoofed with a with a photo. We all know that. So I'm not gonna use it. It's the same as the as the Pixel and Nexus face unlock, right? Nobody really wants to use and it. And Iris secure. worked pretty well, except for I'm in Florida. It's sunny in Florida. I'm wearing sunglasses a lot of the time. Non-stop. Well, I hate to tell you, but for me, Iris doesn't work at all. Well, they, and that's yeah. the biggest issue. And I'm not the only one. A lot of people, not just Tech journalists, a lot of people having issues. Galaxy S8, Galaxy S8 Plus, and Note 8 with iris scanner. Um, so bathing your face in an array of dots and an infrared so that you can do it at night and using machine learning to learn what your face looks like is actually pretty damn good. Like the science checks, the physics check, the computing checks, and you know Apple will pull it off and make it work. It'll be like the first Touch ID sensor. Remember, it was a little slow, but it worked. It was reliable. I see. And I'm, I think, I, I'm glad you're giving them the benefit of the doubt. I'm sure everybody will. You don't feel I'm that sure way? it'll be fine. I'm not going there yet. I got to see it. I got to see it. Well, I think we will all be able to test it at some point. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, you know, I'm actually still going to buy the phone no matter what. I, I, believe, I believe Apple can pull it off. They have never put technology in their phones I feel that was really not working. Unlike the iris scanner from Samsung, it doesn't work, guys. I'm sorry. If it doesn't work for 10 people out of 100, it doesn't work. Yeah. Why do you even have it in there? Whereas I think Apple will make this work for like 99.99% of the population. Um, so I'm actually pretty gung-ho about this. Also because I'm an engineer and I understand what they're doing here. Um, is it better than Touch ID? Ah, this is a whole different discussion. I don't feel very confident about it in the sense that uh, Touch ID, I still think, is a better technology. Like fingerprint reading, you don't have to look at the phone. I can pull out my Nexus, sorry, my Pixel XL out of my pocket right now and put my index on the fingerprint sensor in the back as I'm pulling it out of my pocket. And by the time it's at my waist, it's unlocked. I really and do. I haven't looked at the phone. I, I really do think, and I was I was thinking out loud on Twitter about this this morning. Actually, I really do think they will bring Touch ID back 
Oh, they will. Once they get and the it'll be under glass on the out. next phone because it'll be ready by the time the next phone rolls. Yeah, and, and we know we know uh, Apple's working on it. We know Samsung's working on it. And Qualcomm's uh, got has got it coming too. Right? Yeah, like they we know the technology it. exists. It's just not ready for prime time yet. I don't think they would have baked it into the MacBooks into the Touch Bar, knowing that they were just going to kill it on the phones this quickly. I um, agree. That's it. So I think maybe in the next phone, maybe not for two years, since you know talk about the TikTok cycle. Um, right. But I, I do believe it will come back. I would be very surprised if it didn't. And that, but that Face ID and maybe Face ID will end up being a, a huge surprise and just work that well. And then, then instead of Face ID being the secondary way to, to log in, Touch ID will be the secondary way. Or maybe they'll, they'll both be on equal footing. But yeah, I, I don't think we've seen the last of it. And you just pulled the words right out of my mouth. I think that it's very possible that Face ID performs well enough on the iPhone 10 that they feel like, you know what, maybe we don't need to add that sensor back. Um, and we'll see. I would like to see, I'd like to have both modes. It'd be really nice to have two options. Um, and for me right now, the only place they could have put it in is in the back, which is on Apple-like, or in on the button, which I know requires a larger surface area than the button they have today. The side button, you mean? Yeah, the yeah. power button. But, you know, um, Nextbit did it and it worked. Uh, Sony's done it in the past and it's worked. But I think that that the the power buttons on those phones is, was pretty wide uh, compared to what Apple's trying to do. And Apple's using metal buttons. Of course, you can't do that for capacitive. You need, uh, you need plastic. So uh, we'll see. I mean, the bottom line is I'm, I think Touch ID, sorry, Face ID is an elegant solution to the problem of not having a home button and not being able to put a fingerprint sensor under the screen at this point. And I feel that Apple will probably have tested this uh, enough that it'll be like first-gen Touch ID. It'll be decent. It'll improve over time. Um, the big thing to me is that it brings a whole bunch of cool features to the front-facing camera. And if you're a selfie person, being able to do portrait mode because of depth mapping through this infrared system uh, and this great array, it, which is very much like what Kinect did five years ago on Xbox, but to scale down in size, very much what Tango does, by the way, on the Tango phones, mm -hmm. uh, the Zenfone AR and the terribly large Fab 2 Pro, which I reviewed last year. Um, basically, all that condensed down to a tiny strip at the top of the screen. Uh, very exciting. So, you know, to me, what's got me excited about the iPhone 10 is that it's the first iPhone that I feel is an Android phone. Ha, sorry, I was going to go there because you did. You well, I mean, let's, too, yeah, yeah, it looks. Talk like about one. that. It looks I like hear, one. Yeah. It, it, it does not look like an iPhone. It looks like any one of the six phones I can reach out and touch right now. I'm using the, the V30 right now. Love it. Yeah, the V30, yep. That's what, that's what it looks like. And that's it looks gonna, like a Galaxy S8 yeah. without the rounded edges. It looks like the essential phone, only with better software. Correct. It, and with uh, a bigger hole in the screen. Yeah. <laughs> and no bezel at the bottom. Remember that, though. Yeah, it's, it's, it, it loses, I think, a sense of what made the iPhone the iPhone. And maybe it's just time although, that we rethink that. And we Although, I would be devil's advocate for a second here and say, hey, you know, that, that cutout at the top is very uniquely iPhone 10. Nobody's got it done quite that shape. Mm -hmm. And if they maintain that shape, it could become very iconic. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, 
Um, so OLED, it's AMOLED, it's Samsung panel, so it's going to be at least as good as what we have, we hope, it's going to be at least as good as what we have on Galaxy S8 and Note 8. In case you don't know, those are the reference in terms of quality of display in the smartphone world today. Nothing can touch those. I mean, how much better can it get? The V30 is AMOLED too, and it's pretty decent, but we're talking about, yeah, how much better can it get? And I don't know, like, oh, I guess another thing, as an aside, all three new iPhones support HDR 10 video playback. Yeah, right? again, I mean, that. Cool. No, but that's new. The 7 doesn't do that. Right. So that's, it's a gimmick, but whatever, it's there. Um, yeah, so I, I want to I hear what you think. I mean, okay, you, it does look like an Android phone, but I do feel that it potentially has that that cutout that is uniquely shaped enough that people can recognize it. And the camera pod in the back being oriented a different way and, and you know, being kind of big, all things considered. Uh, this is a small phone, guys. I don't think people realize, and this is, I want to talk about this and ask you this question. I will read you the email a friend of mine sent. Do it. Because I think I want to hear from you what you think. Do it. So my friend Pearl, she lives in New York, said, hey, Miriam, I'm just catching up on Apple Keynote from yesterday. I'm trying to understand the difference between the iPhone 8 and 10. Both seem great, but they seem very similar. The only differences I've spotted in the iPhone 8 retains the home button and has the only uh, screen and has the only screen box, no end to end. I guess she means that it has uh, bezels. Right. Uh, are there any other differences I've missed? It seems like the iPhone is for people who don't want to adopt Face ID. <laughs> so. I think this is a good question because she's a smart person that understands tech a bit and quite well, actually. For well, yeah, and that was the question I was going to ask you. What would you recommend a relatively normal person? You know, if somebody says, which one should I get? And they're not, I, you know, a, a, a nerd like we are. Like not get the iPhone level. 8, the base iPhone 8. Yeah. 64 gigs. Just, just do it. I'm going to get a, do I get a, I either get the iPhone 8 plus or I wait and get a, 10 and I haven't decided yet. So, so I think to answer her question, what would you say? Because I think she's actually probably comparing the iPhone eight plus and the 10 because they're both have dual cameras. I would say. I think the <sighs> thing to stress is that the iPhone 10 gives you more real estate than an iPhone eight plus it's 5.8 inches. Yeah. In a package that's almost the exact same size as the iPhone eight. I would wait. What do you, depends on what you have now. <laughs> I'm going to punt. <laughs> yeah. But I think what, I mean, to explain the differences, I think people have no concept of the scale. Yeah. If you've never seen a G6, a V30, a Galaxy S8, uh, not the plus, the, the eight, right? You don't understand how much screen real estate you're getting for oh, the right. size of the phone. Yeah. And that's, that's going to be huge for people. And it's a, it's a, it's a life changer for me. I can't go back to a regular aspect ratio screen with the bezels now. I, every time I go back to my Pixel or the HTC U11, which is another phone I really love, or, or, or the OnePlus 5, I think to myself, ugh. I think the, the way to explain it is that you get a small phone with a large screen. Yeah. And, and that once you test that or try that, it's, it's a life-changing experience and you're not going to want to go back. So to me, that's the big difference. The other big difference is, yes, no touch ID, so you have to use face ID, but I don't think that's going to be a problem. Again, I think that people are going to get used to it very quickly. There are some drawbacks because you can't unlock the phone in your pocket while you're pulling it out because you don't physically contact the phone to unlock it. 
And this is assuming the first place face ID works, um, which I think it will. The other big difference is the camera system on the iPhone X is better than the camera system on the iPhone 8 Plus. Uh, this is a minor difference, but it has OIS on both lenses. And the telelens, the zoom lens, is f over 2.4. It's faster than the f over 2.8 on the 8 Plus, meaning better low light performance. And if you combine that with the OIS, even better low light performance. So that means portrait mode in low light, better. That means, you know, zoom photography in low light of better quality. And then finally, the fact that you can do depth um, portrait mode and the front facing camera because you have this infrared face ID scanner system. Uh, all of a sudden it opens up portrait mode for the front camera, which the 8 can't do. So those are the differences really. Right? I don't care about the selfies. I don't care about poop emojis. I'm old. Oh, the poop emojis I don't care about. I'm I don't old. care about the selfies. But I mean, I have to admit that having a good front facing camera with depth is nice. I mean, you can do some cool stuff with that. Sure. Uh, but the rear camera is what I'm really excited about. Finally, you know, like the Note 8 was the first phone that had a zoom lens and a regular lens where both were OIS stabilized and this is the second phone with that set technology now it's not the f there's been other phones that have both lenses uh, a dual camera system with both lenses and ois namely the huawei p10 p10 plus and mate 9 but they do monochrome colored you know sensors pairs rather than a regular and zoom lens pair right right so that's a nice that's a nice feature feature to have and i think that the the quality of the photography on the 10 is going to be, it has a bit of an edge over the 8, I think, and 8 plus from that. It should, yeah, so, especially so for as much more as it So keep that in mind, your $999 are going towards not only having a flashy new iPhone that is going to be instantly recognizable as the new iPhone that's bezel-less, but also that you're getting some inventions in terms of uh, photography, front and back, and that you're getting, uh, you know, a lot of real estate on a small on a small form factor. And for me, honestly, real estate, I can never have more. You know, I used to think that I could never get a bigger phone, um, a bigger screen. Uh, uh, no, sorry, that, I, that, would, that would never need a bigger screen past a certain size. Like, you know, 4.3 for a while, I thought was perfectly fine. Then 4.7, then 5, then 5.2, then 5.5. And now I'm like, forget it. I want as much screen real estate in the smallest phone I can get. Yeah. Because you... You just, once you get used to it, you're like, you can't go back to a smaller phone. So, yeah. What else do we want to talk about the iPhone 10? Anything that I'm missing? I'm looking at the Apple website right now to make sure I didn't miss anything. The poop emoji that's animated, I don't care about. I, yeah. You think we'll see Face ID in MacBooks at some point? For sure. Why not? Yeah, I, I don't mean, know why you wouldn't. You know, Apple's very incremental on this. Like, I think it's going to take a few generations before mm -hmm. we get to it. I kind of hate that about them sometimes. They're too incremental. And that's why this 10th year anniversary iPhone, iPhone 10, is exciting to me because it's like finally, they're not just incrementing on their usual thing like they did with the iPhone 8, but they're actually like kind of leading the trend, not leading, but in some ways with Face ID leading. But they are at least on par with what LG and Samsung are doing and essential doesn't really count because I mean yeah. essential is just a one-off thing, and the you know all the reviews says I don't have one, and I I really am trying to get my hands on one. But do you have one? I do not. I've seen I, it. I mean, it the looks takeaway nice. it feels nice. Yeah, I've seen it too. The takeaway for me is that it's a beautifully made phone that's a very much a niche product. And now that this iPhone 10 is out, 
you know, the essential phone is going to get zero traction. Yeah. Because the reason people wanted the essential phone is it was different and unique and premium. And guess what? Now you can get that in an iPhone with a million time better experience, I think, arguably, uh, for a lot of people. I, I still think that the average person is better served by an iPhone than an Android phone for most things. And I hate to say that because I'm an Android user, but look, the reality is, yeah, I don't know how you feel about that. That's, I do feel that way. I, I wouldn't disagree. Um, if only just for the longevity of it and the service life. And, and if you're in walking, not just walking distance, but if you're near an Apple store, that, that is a huge differentiator. Yeah. I mean, you can get support from, you don't have to rely on friends and family. If you need support, you can just walk into an Apple store yeah. and get help from people who know what they're doing. And, you know, to me that nobody can pull, pull and nobody does that better. And the same with our laptops. It's pretty awesome. So the other thing I wanted to point out, I don't know if you've seen on their website, but there's no trace of an unlocked iPhone 10 for sale. They and usually wait I'm a few weeks. I'm worried that, about they? that because that's what I want. Well, then you, uh, then you buy it on Verizon life. and it's unlocked out of the box. Yeah, or I buy from T-Mobile and get it unlocked instantly because I've been a customer for over a decade. Sure. Um, or more than that, since 2000, since, since they were called Voice Stream. Wow. <laughs> it's a long time ago. Uh but the problem with that is it still rubs me the wrong way. Oh, I mean, no, 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 totally, totally. I want my unlocked phone. I want my MTV. Give it to me. Should be. So let's see if the iPhone 8 is available unlocked. Let's see. Um, models and pricing. Why are you so slow, Apple website? So let's see. If I select an iPhone 8 Plus, oh, buy without a carrier is an option right off the bat. Oh, there for you go. the iPhone 8 and 8 Plus. So that's not an option on iPhone 10. Interesting. Damn it. Uh, yeah. anyway so any final words any thoughts that like do you are you excited about this phone i mean i am are you excited that apple is back in the game of making something that is at least on par and in some way better than the competition i'm i'm cautiously excited about it i gotta see how face id works in real life that's the big unknown right yeah and that's that's not one you can learn at a demo floor or just take their word for it um you have you to, to live with it. You have to get it out and try it under all these lighting conditions and just in your daily life and, and see how it works. And maybe it's going to be great. I really hope it is. Maybe it's not, but we just don't know yet. And that's a yeah. lot of money to spend on something that has that big of a question. At the same time, how can Apple screw that up? <laughs> how can Samsung have batteries explode? Well... Actually, I'm not surprised about <laughs> Samsung's battery exploding, to be honest with you. I would really be surprised if Apple had, I mean, the only, there are, there've been some issues with Apple products before. Like we know that the iPhone 4 antenna gate was, I think, a real problem. It was a minor problem in the end, in the great scheme of things, but they did have to re-engineer the iPhone later to solve the problem. The 4S certainly solved the problem. Sure. And and I think that to some extent, Apple Maps with iOS 7 was a disaster. Um, but then again, who uses Apple Maps? Yeah. Uh, I hate to say this because I'm sure like right now there's a million people out there using Apple Maps <laughs> all the time. But like, I cannot fathom how people use Apple cloud-based services. I don't. You know, it's funny. I want to I tell you about this. It's an anecdote, but it's interesting. The last review unit I got from Apple was the iPhone 6 Plus I have. Um, 
And they gave it to me on one condition, which was you live with it for a week, with, for a month with your own SIM card in it. And you give it a fair, fair, you know, be fair to it. Because mm-hmm. I know I'm a big Android user. And I said, okay. And there was an, they gave it to me like, so the iPhone 6 came out, let's see, three years ago? Yeah, Four years ago? Uh, three. See, let's go back. Eight is this year, seven's last year, seven S two years ago, seven, six is, is three years ago. The three years ago it came out and then I can beg, kept begging for reviewing it and it wasn't until the beginning of the next year, like January of whatever that was, that year was, that they gave me a review unit and with that condition of use it for a month and really be fair to it. And I did. I put my own T-Mobile SIM in it. It was an unlocked, uh, highest capacity iPhone 6 plus white. And I put my SIM in it and I use it. I, I get this film, Mobile Congress. Nice. That's, that's a big step, right? Like that's really putting it through its paces, yep. right? Took it to Mobile Congress, used it for an entire month. I, I kid you not. And I have to say I was pretty happy overall, but ultimately I got very, when I did get frustrated, I got extremely frustrated. Like the, the whole sharing between apps thing doesn't happen on iPhone. No, oh, yeah. And it still doesn't happen on iPhone. And this is this was an iOS 7, de- 7 device when it launched. And I've had three updates to the OS since then. I'm iOS 10. And I still feel the same way about the multitasking and the file system or lack thereof and the share sheets, the, the sharing between apps. The fact that I just can't do it easily is really bugging me. And that's why I, that's what I said in my, in my kind of like takeaway about this experience I had and Apple never talked to me again. <laughs> no, I'm joking. They, that's not true. I do have a good relationship with their PR team, but they are certainly not giving me review units anymore. And are certainly not inviting me to their events, you know? So yeah, I really hope iOS 11 fixes that because to me, you can have the best hardware with the coolest features and if face id turns out to be awesome and everybody loves it and we get accustomed to it it's still not going to cut it for me if i can't feel like i'm productive you know i can use an iphone I, i'm just slower on it it's it's the little things notifications it's what are I'm still saying. not great oh god notifications um you know sharing is still really bad hey by the way the ipad's going to lose the home button at some point right i hope so You've have you used iOS 11? I finally put it on everything last night. I did not. And the whole swipe thing on the iPad just so, screams no more home button. Let, so. Let's qu- we have a few minutes before I have to wrap it up. Like like a minute. Like what do you take on this gesture stuff? Because I've always been a big fan of gestures. You know, a few people made this analogy now, and I really feel that they're correct. I see shades of Web OS in this new iPhone paradigm oh, with sure, the iPhone sure, 10. Sure. I think we'll get used to anything. Um, but gestures are so natural on a touchscreen. Yeah. If you memorize them as muscle memory, you it's even better than a button, I think. Yeah, probably. I mean, remember the Nokia N9 running that weird OS of theirs, uh, which wasn't Windows Phone? Yes. What was it called? Yes. I reviewed it for Engadgers. It was all gesture-based, and it was really, really cool. Oh, I very intuitive. Called, and WebOS was really cool sure. and very intuitive. Yeah, no, so I, gestures. I, I think they will ease us into it and we'll get used to it. And, and a year from now, it'll be like, oh yeah, that's totally normal. And so you're saying iOS 11 has a lot of gestures and uses that extensively, right? Yeah. Yeah, you will see, you you will see a lot that's, more that's of that. That's where they're headed. And it's good on the iPad. Yeah, uh, well, the iPad's, I think, a pretty impressive platform. 
I mean, I'm not a tablet person and I'm never going to replace my laptop, you know, because I'm old school and, you know, you'll have to pry it on my dead hands and get off my lawn kids and all that stuff. But I have to say that I'm impressed more and more with what the iPad can do. So maybe there is, maybe there is a reason why people like Harry McCracken use an iPad primarily as their computing device. I could, I could do it in a pinch if I didn't have to do any like photo work or video work totally. While I was doing yeah, writing, I think those yeah. are the two. Although I have to say, I use Snapseed a lot more for photo editing. Oh, sure. On on my mobile devices, and I use Photoshop or or something like it for, on for my individual laptops. photos. Yeah, for for you know multiple Lightroom. No. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You need Lightroom or batch processing of some kind for yeah. sure. Coolio. Well, listen, we need to wrap it up. But uh, wow, how fast it goes! Just talking about Apple, huh? I know, right? Um. Tell the world about what you do, where you are, where you came from, all those great things so that they can find you on the internet. So I've spent the last year doing the Modern Dad thing, moderndad.com. You can find it all on YouTube. Uh, still doing that, just not quite as busy right this second. And I'm also back writing with Android Central some, and I plopped something up on iMore yesterday because they didn't take my keys away. And they needed help. Yeah, <laughs> and all those mobile nation sites, it's still great being around those guys. So yes, I am all the places. Wonderful. Where can people find you on Twitter? Uh, M-D-R-N-D-A-D. I like that you shortened it. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, by the way, your Twitter needs to follow me. Oh, am I still not? Hint, hint, hint. How about yeah. that? <laughs> Don't worry. Uh, and you guys can find me on TNKGRL on Twitter, which is Tankerl without the vowels, like the comic book character. Uh, this podcast is mobiletechpodcast.com. That's how you can tell other people about it. Please subscribe. We're on iTunes. We're on on all the major uh, podcasting platform, Pocket Casts, if you're an Android user, um, like me. And then uh, uh, my YouTube channel, uh, youtube.com slash Miriam Joar, Miriam with a Y. If you want to see unboxing of things, I chose the Apple day yesterday to unbox my Note 8 and my V30. And my V30 is not really an unboxing because it's a pre-production prototype. So it, it came in that generic brown box. You know the one I'm talking about, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so but it's so it's an unboxing and a half and I only did it yesterday because I just got back from Burning Man this past weekend. I was away for three weeks from my yearly gig there and I just didn't get a chance to play with these phones yet. And I was like, well, it's iPhone day. I'm probably not going to get a lot of page view for posting this today, but whatever. I need to unbox these and take them for a spin. So next week on the podcast, uh, I will be discussing these phones because I'll have had some some seat time with them. So stay tuned for that. And thanks again, Phil, for coming on. It was a pleasure to have you always. And I'm, I'm really grateful to hear that you're safe and sound down there in Florida. Uh, yeah. Thanks again. Thanks for having and me. And stay tuned for next week. Cheers. Bye. This has been the Mobile Tech Podcast with Tank Girl, proudly presented by worldpodcasts.com. You can visit us online at mobiletechpodcast.com.